Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. You go to builtbar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get ten dollars off your first order. I've got the whole crew with me today: Brandon Pillar and Chris Parliament. You've heard us over the past two episodes discussing why Daniel Alfredson and Brian Murray need to be inducted in this year's class of the Hockey Hall of Fame, which we'll find out on Wednesday. So for today's show, we thought you'd need to hear a different voice, but with the same opinion. Wayne Scanlon, longtime scribe for the Ottawa Citizens, now with Sportsnet.ca. He'll join us to give us his elevator pitch and more on why Alfie and Brian Murray should be on the list of inductees. We'll also continue our NHL Draft Rankings, the Send Central edition with number nine. Ottawa 67. I'll leave it at that for now. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Monday, June 22nd. We are now in the biggest work week in Sens history. As we teased, it was the biggest week on Saturday. Brandon, what are you most excited for on this um, this week, besides, we already know we're picking first and second. Well, I mean, that's just it right there. I, like, I wish I could say uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame uh, inductions of Daniel Alfredson and Brian Murray, but it's way more important for this organization going forward to start building for the future rather than reflecting on the past. Even though it would be great to get those two guys in there, this is this is the year. This is where it all starts. The road to unparalleled success starts this week. It sure does. Well, unless you asked Parliament last episode, a lot of feedback <laughs> asking uh, if somebody didn't give him his coffee beforehand. Man, so I'm going to ask Parley right off the bat, if only one of these things can happen, the Sens picking in the top three with one of their picks, or Alfie getting into the Hockey Hall of Fame, what what would you choose to happen? With a smile on my face, I will answer this question. <laughs> uh, I definitely think that I'm going to pick the Senators picking first overall because Daniel Alfredson getting into the Hall of Fame is inevitable in my mind. It will happen. I don't know if it's this year. I don't know if it's next year. I think this year is the year you have to strike on a guy like Alexi Lafreniere. And if that happens, everything changes. We're going to get into a lot of this later on, but so much media wise has come out about him today and a couple things that just like stick out in your mind like no brainer. Easy it's, call, no hesitation, it, clear cut were the things talking about him being a number one player. And the fact that one scout said he is a top line NHL winger right now will walk into the NHL whenever we play next season and he'll be a top player. That's some high praise. That's franchise altering, leading to the unparalleled success that Pillar just mentioned. Is that happier for you? Yeah, that's fantastic. And you could have just broke it down saying it's what Alfie would have wanted, you know? He'll he'll get his dues. I like that attitude, whether it's not this year. Alfie will get his spot in the Hall of Fame. But I want to go back to what you mentioned as well, because Bob McKenzie, he's always the last insider and the most connected. But I mean last in terms of his draft rankings, because it's always the week of the draft. And he keeps it close to the vest. He talks to his scouts. And his list is a consolidation of the 10 scouts that he talks to. So you really get the industry um, standard rather than, us or all these sites who are independently watching all the players. Brandon, what stuck out most to you 
Um, let's let's keep it within Ottawa's first three picks. So keep it in the top fifteen. Um, what was the the one thing that jumped out to you? Well, Parley just gave us a whole list of uh, attributes Lafreniere has on his resume to be number one as a clear lock. And I don't know about you guys, but I thought number two was all locked up with Quinton Byfield for the longest time. But nope, Bobby Mack throws the curveball. Tim Stutzla at number two, the German forward. And I love hearing that, but I haven't done a deep enough dive on Stutzla and Byfield to really know which way they go. I'm still, I, I think it's the size that I'm just so infatuated by with Byfield. I'm still team Byfield for number two, but that one really surprised me. I thought for sure uh, I hadn't heard too many other scouts or reports put anyone ahead of uh, Byfield. Maybe Rossi was in there in a couple uh, different scouts' uh, minds, but Stutzla, I was not expecting him at number two. And you mentioned the size for Byfield. Parley, how, how does it change your perception of Stutzla, a guy who has magic hands? You get the beaver tail when he wants the puck. This guy wants the puck on his stick. He put on 15 pounds of muscle since Christmas. And how will that affect his draft stock and his ability to potentially play in the National Hockey League right away? Well, here's a player comparable for you because that's what I do. Drake Batherson. Look at the size difference that he has and the incremental jump he's had in his career since he put that size on. He's now one of the top prospects in really all of hockey. If you're looking at the American Hockey League and what he's been able to do, he's made the jump to the NHL, produced, albeit not at a great pace. But if you're talking about putting on that much muscle, we've seen as we followed the Senators throughout the years, how much that can change a game, especially if you put the microscope on Drake Batherson. Obviously, this kid is going to be highly talented with the puck and stuff like that. But when he puts on weight like that, starts to show you he understands what it takes to be an NHLer. And uh, I guess you can say he's got uh, the, he wants the puck on a stick, all that kind of stuff. Big thing that comes to mind for me when you hear that he puts on 15 pounds of muscle is he's got the eyes on the prize. He wants to climb that draft board. He wants to be the best possible. And that's music to my ears if I'm a scout. Yeah, I'd highly recommend everyone go and watch the half-hour special. It's on TSN, tsn.ca. All the video clips are there with Bob McKenzie and Craig Button breaking things down. Just before we move on to some more Hockey Hall of Fame talk with Wayne Scanlon, awesome interview, a couple Brian Murray stories that were uh, great to hear. Got some laughs out of it, so thanks, Wayne, for joining us. Uh, but I want to round out the top six, which should we just do top five, or is that getting too cocky? No, do top six. All right, top six, because realistically, Ottawa could draft Six. So number one, Alexi Lafreniere. Number two, Tim Stutzla. Number three, Quinton Byfield. He has Jamie Drysdale, the defenseman from Erie at four. Cole Perfetti at five, leaving Lucas Raymond, who may, I will say yes, is higher on the Sen Central draft rankings than six. But if worst case scenario, Parley, is Cole Perfetti and Lucas Raymond, sign me up. I mean, they're both uh, players. I mean, you talk about guys like that put the puck in the net and they they produce at an alarming rate. You talk about the incredible puck skills that Tim Stutzla has. I mean, go ahead and look at Perfetti, and it's almost a mirror image. He's smaller, albeit, but I mean, wow, this guy can move the puck. He's quick. Honestly, this guy's player comparable for me is Patty Kane, Cole Perfetti. He's that good. He put up 102 points in a 
shortened OHL season. And then Lucas Raymond, everything you hear about this kid, I mean, talk about success the Sens have had coming out of Frolunda. But, I mean, he just works. There's been times I've read from scouts and from former coaches on The Athletic. They've done a bunch of great work on this kid. And they've said that coaches used to put him with the worst players on the team because it would bring them up and everyone else on the team wanted to beat Lucas Raymond. There was times where he was skating nine times a week during the summer and doing off-ice work. I mean, it's incredible how bad this kid wants it. We talked about, I said, eyes on the prize for Stutzler earlier. Lucas Raymond is an absolute lock, and I think he's just one of those guys where it just screams a scout's delight. Well, that will all be taken care of by Friday. We'll at least know the order of when the Sens two picks are. Though You really can't go wrong in any direction. Where you can go wrong is if the Hockey Hall of Fame decides to pass on Daniel Alfredson and Brian Murray. It can't happen. We can't allow that to happen. The announcement is coming on Wednesday. We'll be recording our podcast right afterwards. So you get some immediate reaction to that. But in the meantime, we're really happy to welcome a brand new guest to the show. First time on the show for Wayne Scanlon, sportsnet.ca. But before we get to Wayne, we want to let you know that the Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional ten thousand dollars it's so awesome to have that support from the head office and to you can join us too in our quest to really make a change all you have to do is go to lockedonpodcast.com backslash black lives matter lockedonpodcast.com backslash black lives matter we also want to tell you that built bar is the best i had one after my bike ride today low calorie low sugar but i had such a high off of the protein after the high fiber really rounded it out. And best of all, it tastes delicious. I had the peanut butter brownie flavor today. Big fan of that one. It's become my go-to actually, but there's 16 amazing flavors. They've got one for every palate. There's eight with chocolate and nuts, but if you're not into nuts, you have the allergy, whatever they have eight chocolate nut free flavors. Best of all, if you go to their website right now, builtbar.com, put in the promo code locked on, and you'll get $10 off your first door. That's a beer on us. Make sure you go to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on. That's $10 off. All right, we now welcome a very special guest. You can find his writing at sportsnet.com after over 30 years as the sports columnist with the Ottawa Citizen. He's been covering the Senators since their inception, and it's a pleasure to welcome Wayne Scanlon to the Locked On Senators podcast. Thanks for taking the time today, Wayne. Well, it's nice to be here, you guys. i got to correct one thing, though. It's sportsnet.ca. Let's not send everybody to sportsnet.com. Oh, wow. How about that for coming out of the gates stumbling and, and to a writer as well? I have it.ca on here, too. And we want to talk about your article that you just put on there, Alfredson earning his rightful spot in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Now, you have lots of in-depth reasoning. I'm all for it. But if I were to ask you to boil it down to an elevator pitch, what makes Daniel Alfredson a perfect candidate for hockey's greatest honor? Well, that's a, that's a great question, Ross. I think he, he has the numbers. He certainly has the NHL numbers, more than 1,200 games played, more than 1,100 points. 
uh, first European captain to take his team to a Stanley Cup final. But I, I really think it's the international uh, flavor of Alfredson's career that should put him over the top. And there seems to be a trend in Hall of Fame selections going back the last five to ten years where they're, they're looking for Europeans, even, even Europeans that didn't play that much in the, in the NHL. I mean, Vaslav Nedimansky, who, who was inducted last year, didn't have a, a huge NHL resume, but more of an international one. You're talking about a guy in Alfie who played in five Olympic games for Sweden. I mean, there's, he's the only Swede to have done that. And you think of, of some of the great Swedes over the years, but none of them made five Olympics. Started in uh, 1998 in Nagano and finished in 2014 in Sochi uh, with 26, 28 points, I believe it is. In, in Olympic scoring, it's second all time among all Swedes, such a, hockey, a great hockey nation. Um, 88 international games and 74 points representing his country. So uh, a, a couple of, a couple of um, medals, uh, two silvers in the worlds and, and a couple of Olympic medals. I, you know, I think it's the international qualifications that should put him over the top. Yeah, and how about leading the uh, team Sweden in scoring too on the way to that gold medal in 06? Um, not an easy feat to do. Pilsy. Yeah, so uh, thanks, Wayne, for uh, spelling that all out. I mean, if you didn't uh, already consider Alfie to be a Hall of Famer, I mean, just those couple points you uh, narrowed down there should definitely help uh, your opinion. But should Sense fans be worried uh, that the first ballot class is so strong this year? I mean, you've got Jerome McGinley, another former senator, and Marion Hossa. They're both eligible. Does that really hurt Alfie's chance of uh, getting in at least this year? It, it could. It's really hard to tell what they're thinking. And if if Alfie was a Hall of Famer, uh, you know, this is his fourth time, right? So if he was a Hall of Famer three years ago, why wasn't he picked then? I think last year you might have looked at it as maybe a softer class. Uh, and then they come up with Guy Carboneau and Vaslav Nedimaski. So um, I, I think you might have said that would have been a better spot for him than this year. Um, Marion Hossa, I mean, he's got more points than Hossa, but, but Hossa is a 500-goal man, and, and that's usually a kind of a magic number for voters. So I would agree. I think it's a little bit tougher this year. Um, I just – you know, if not now, then, you know, I think eventually this guy has to get, has to get in. Yeah. And he would be the, the second player to wear a Sens jersey to be in. Of course, Dominic Hasek, who will not be remembered fondly for his time in Ottawa, more of course, of Buffalo and Detroit. And that's where Alfie ended his career. And of course, Sens fans don't want to hear it, but it is a pretty amazing stat too, that he's one of the only, if not the only guy to lead his team in scoring as a rookie and in his final season. I mean, that has to have a bit of pull, don't you think? It's amazing what he did, Ross, in terms of uh, later on in his career. I, in writing that article, I was able to kind of go back over the numbers. When he was 38 years of age in the 2010-11 season, uh, actually the 2009-10 season, when he had, he had 71 points in 70 games, uh, and he turned 38 in December of that season. So, you know, I, I think that's astounding. And for some reason, it seems to hurt a guy when he doesn't have that heart trophy kind of year. He just kind of explodes one year and, and, and wins a major trophy like that. But as you say, the rookie of the year, 1995-96, uh, and was just known for consistent excellence throughout his career. And I, I don't think that should hurt. 
but in a way it does because you're not winning those major trophies or getting nominated for them. So you pretty much uh, took my next question. Uh, what, if not uh, the awards that he hasn't won, how big of a factor is it that he hasn't won that coveted Stanley Cup ring? I mean, like, is that the be-all and end-all of getting into the Hall of Fame if you don't have that cup ring? Uh, you haven't experienced the ultimate championship and you're you're not worthy? Because it seems like for a lot of people, their first instant response uh, when deciding this is how many cup rings does he have, right? And when you've uh, had a storied career like Alfie, but just with so many unlucky things happening and getting so close, he wasn't able to get it. it would you say that's the biggest deterrent from him being in the Hall of Fame already? It seems to be a factor for voters. There's no question about that. I think it helps explain explain why there's so many Montreal Canadians in the hall. They, they seem to go right down the list, you know, into the second and third tier of players because they won so many cups, but it's a reflection of, of a, of a team effort. Uh, it's not Alfredson's fault that, you know, that Jeff Friesen scored that goal in 2003 and that they, they were up against a really tough team in Anaheim in 07 and, Pashik's uh, adductor injury in 2006, which I think might have been their strongest team. You know, that was before they lost to Dano Chara. Um, I don't think it should cost a person. It's, a, it's an individual honor to get into the Hall of Fame. He did all he could. He was a great leader, a great clutch performer. His playoff numbers are excellent. Uh, 20, I think it was 21.5% of his playoff goals were game winners. So, uh, you know, a very clutch performer. And, but I do agree with you that it probably does hurt his cause a little bit. If he'd won a cup, I think he'd be in by now. Well, and his two best years were under head coach Brian Murray. And I love that part of the article that you touched on. The fact it's overdue for Brian Murray to get some recognition for Hall of Fame in the building category, not only as a coach with his two most successful seasons in Ottawa and leading three expansion teams to the Stanley Cup final. And you covered him in both a coaching role, but also as a manager. What allowed him to be so successful in both roles? He was such a great people person. And I got to tell you that we miss him every day in his role as general manager. Because when, when things got really bad, Brian would have a way of, you know, cracking a joke or telling a story and just lightening the mood. Uh, he was a great liaison with the uh, with the owner Eugene Melnick and I think you've seen since Brian's passing that things have deteriorated a little bit in terms of relationship between the owner and the fans the owner and the media uh, management and media management and fans so he's missed in so many ways but to go back to your original point I mean uh, Brian uh, he's got qualifications both as a coach and a general manager uh, it was interesting I was noting the other day that you know, in, in 2007, when he effectively ended his coaching career with that run to the cup final in Ottawa, he had over 600 wins as a coach. At that time, that was the most by an active coach in the NHL. Not, that number's kind of been dwarfed now by, you know, in, in 82-game seasons, some of these really good young coaches have, you know, they're not so young anymore, but they've come along and, and surpassed that number by by quite a bit, but I think he's still in the top 20 in wins he, as a coach. He's 18th, and those shootout wins right. have to help coaches, right? Yeah, yeah, and and I think he's something like 19th in, in games coached, uh, a, long, a long career as a general manager in Detroit and Florida and Anaheim before Ottawa. So he certainly has the qualifications, and I think there's another, you know, I, I think these Hall of Fame voters, they'd like to find a little wrinkle or a nuance that, 
that s- separates someone from the pack. And I think with Brian, it might be his battle with cancer and the fact that he spread the word about early detection of bowel cancer. Uh, there's a lot of hockey people that stepped forward to say that they got tested after after Brian went so public with his diagnosis and his and his treatment. Um, he was quite heroic in you know, he would just go down there and get his treatment and then just go to the office and go to work. You know, he just, he wasn't dramatic about it. Uh, I'd say, how you doing, Brian? I'd say, ah, geez, you know, I, I can hardly eat a steak and I can hardly drink a beer. You know, I just, uh, I miss being able to do that stuff that I really enjoyed. He's just so down to earth about it. And, and I think that might be another little factor in, in, um, in his election. Yeah, Wayne, uh, definitely there's a lot of uh, Brian Murray stories that are kind of uh, trickling out and have trickled out. And to the public eye, it seemed that he was always kind of a a more stern, very serious guy. But as soon as you start talking to these people uh, that have worked closely with him, and Ross and I talked about in the last podcast, the coaching tree and the the effect that Brian Murray has had has just rippled through the entire league throughout his legacy uh, in the NHL. But you mentioned one quick story there. I'm wondering if there's uh, another uh, kind of funny, witty story that uh, you have with Brian Murray that you can share with us that uh, maybe the fans weren't aware of. Well, he, he had a great way of trying to motivate players. Um, Chris Neal would like would run through a wall for probably just for the team, but certainly would do it for Brian. And he made sure that everybody on the team had a role. But if they if you weren't playing your role, Brian would get a little bit frustrated. I remember one time we were down, I think we were down in Pittsburgh and we were getting ready to board the bus. In those days, you had a, uh, a charter for the, the players and then you, there'd be another bus, uh, maybe a smaller van to take the media over to the rink. So we, we basically all traveled together. And as the players were filing past, Brian just kind of mumbled under his breath, almost like Popeye. He said, that used to be Zach Smith. And, and it was just a little joke, but it was kind of a little prod to us basically to say, Zach's not playing physical enough, and Zach's got to bring a little more to the table and get in on the forecheck. And, and all he said was, that used to be Zach Smith. And it was just kind of funny because you, you knew that he was a little bit angry with the guy, but that was his way of kind of letting us know that um, he wanted a little bit more from Zach. And eventually he definitely did get more from Zach Smith. Yeah, and don't be afraid to write that uh, Zach has to play a little harder, right? Exactly, exactly. He wanted us to know. Yeah, yeah. the one, the one that stands out for me too, and uh, this was a little bit later on when Mikhail Vikstrand wouldn't report, but he wanted to play back in Sweden. And Brian told him he could be a grocery store clerk, but there's no way he's stepping foot near professional hockey if, <laughs> unless he was playing the Senators organization and, and Binghamton. Wayne, we really appreciate you taking the time. Before we let you go, I want to ask you, which Senator storyline are you going to be most curious to watch unfold this summer? Well, um, I mean, you got to say this week with the, the draft lottery coming up is just so huge for Ottawa. You've got to love the fact that they're, they're guaranteed two of the top six picks. Now, they could end up as, as low as five, six, but that's not too darn bad. And they could end up as high as one, two. So I think this is Really, we've never, Ottawa's never kind of been in this kind of a draft lottery position before. There have been times going back to their expansion years where they they had a first pick based largely on their performance the year before. But to be in this strong a position, in this strong a draft, I think this is going to be the the storyline of the year for Ottawa. It could be something special coming out of this. 
Well, we, uh, it's, we know it's going to be a lot more fun than the 2019 draft lottery when all Sens had to pray for was that the Colorado pick would finish fourth. And that happened. That was the lowest that it could have been. So let's switch the luck and get it, the top two picks. We know we're going to be excited to read what you have to say about that at sportsnet.ca. Wayne, thank you very much for joining us today on the Locked On Senators podcast. Thanks, you guys. It was a lot of fun. Really appreciate Wayne taking the time to join us. Some great insight there. Now, before we get to segments, we got to let you know that rockauto.com is a family business. They serve auto parts to customers online, and they've been doing it for 20 years. That's reliability and service you can count on. You just go to rockauto.com, and you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. You want to get that winter carpet out, get the summer carpet in. You can do that at rockauto.com. And whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks. And best of all, they deliver it directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. In the How Did You Hear About Us box, make sure you write Locked On. That way they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, let's get to some segments. And first things first, let's build off of what Wayne finished with. The storyline he's most excited to follow is the draft lottery. Shocker. Let's get to the Send Central Tank Simulator. Pilsy, give it a spin. All right, let's do it. Okay, I'll take this. I'll take this. Detroit gets to keep the first overall. Sends picking two. LA picking three and Sens picking four. Two and four, that's that's in that sweet spot where you can get the, a centerman you want and then a high-scoring winger to uh, match with them. I love it. Two and four, that's a great spin. Parley? Before I spin here, actually while I'm spinning, I love that we're into the lottery phase one here. Right now we've got four days, two hours, 44 minutes, and four seconds till the draft and boys, to make things even better with the San Jose pick, the Ottawa Senators select number one. Wow. And skipping up five, Buffalo. Then up nine picks is Winnipeg. How would they not take Drysdale, right? Down to fourth is Detroit, and then fifth is Ottawa. Once again, I will take that. That is another good spin, Parley. All right. As I do mine, that is all around solid. So for the worst of all of our first picks is second because I got the same as Pillar. Ottawa second. Minnesota jumps up into the third spot. And then San Jose's pick down at four. So two and four for me. Guys, we are heating up in the lottery as we're getting closer and closer. You just love to see it. And it makes it even better knowing that we're getting that much closer to releasing our send central top five but first we got to get to number nine it's one of two ottawa 67s left on our list this kid 
might be the biggest riser in the draft if we go back to the early list from last year. Jack Quinn, this guy just puts pucks in the net pillar. That's what he does. I mean, you could you could say pure goal score for sure for Zach uh, Jack Quinn. Um, but he does a lot of other things right too, you know, like he's more like a sniper with a better all round game. Um, something I really noticed about Jack Quinn, a lot of these goals that he's getting, it's right in front of the net in the slot, kind of like the Brady Kachuk effect, you know, like he's always in a good position. He just, he has a knack for being in the right place at the right time. And that's just his hockey IQ. Like, a, a high hockey IQ player is going to know how to work smarter, not harder. You know, like you don't always have to blast through a defenseman or speed by him. Like it's about reading the play, picking up um, where where that next pass is going to be, where you should be uh, based on a shooter shot or shot shooter angle. You know, like Jack Quinn, 52 goals says it for himself. I mean, this guy can put the puck in the net and I feel like he's going to be on a top line within a couple of years here in the NHL scoring big time goals for whoever drafts him. I'm going to hop in here and just say that, you know, this is a guy that adds a lot to the table when you're thinking about him, because yes, he's got that unbelievable ability to put the puck in the net. He's a goal scorer. He can put it away. But what I've read from scouts is, the reason he's in those places is because he's sound defensively and he's patient. He takes care of the details of the game so that when he's given a chance, he capitalizes it. But also, he's the guy kind of pushing the pace and making those chances, creating those chances in the defensive end. And then he's got that ability to kind of hold on to it for a little bit in the offensive zone, make sure he's got the right play ahead of him. And then obviously he's been able to capitalize at the OHL level. 52 goals in 62 games. What would you tell somebody who said he's benefiting from playing with Marco Rossi? I tell him he's not. He's been playing on the second line for most of the year, which is absolutely bonkers for the 67s organization. They're so good. At least there's one good team in Ottawa, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's incredible to see. Obviously, they got power play time together. You don't put up 52 goals and see second team minutes on the power play. But, yeah, he was playing on the second line when this kid was playing ahead of him. Unbelievable year for them, eh? How about this fact, too, that not only did, yeah, of course he produced on the power play, but his 34 even strength goals led all players in the Canadian Hockey League. Absolutely. That's those details. That's how you take care of the game defensively and turn it into offense. Yeah, it's an awesome um, it's an awesome look for a team who's ranked second in the entire CHL. They won 50 out of their 62 games. Let that sink in. 50 out of their 62 games ended in a win, which was tie, uh, just one less win than the Sherbrooke uh, Phoenix got uh, there in the Quebec League, where there's a huge discrepancy between the top and bottom. But um, yeah, the 67s dominated, but it was... Sure, you can say that that helped Quinn, but I think it was just as much the other way around. Quinn becoming the player that he was. Some may point to the fact that he really jumped up from his um, draft minus one season. And to that, I would just say that as good as the 67s are this year, they had an older, more veteran team last year. You think of Sasha Shlemilevsky, who's with the San Jose farm team, um, and some other forwards that have graduated, he just couldn't find role in top six. And this was a team that had a deep run last year as well. So I don't think that you can hold that against him as well. 
I don't think so at all. And that's what happens when you play on a good team, right? You you slowly work your way up. Um, older veteran guys move on, especially in junior leagues. So that's how you get your chance. Um, Parley, I've got a player comparable for you. I think this was in Promman's uh, article, and it's not based on their hockey skills, but more based on their work ethic and how he was able to have a big bounce back in the second half of the season, like we talked about. His trainer, Tony Greco, compared him to Mike Fisher. And the quote that he had was, Mike would just go through a wall for you. And that's Jack Quinn. Jack Quinn is a bull, Greco said. So when you hear that, that these kids are already similar, you talked about Stutzla, right? Working hard, he's got the eye, he's got his eyes on the prize. Quinn, it just doesn't seem like he's satisfied. Like he doesn't settle. Like he doesn't want to do 10 reps at 100 pounds or whatever. He wants to do 12 reps at 120. Like he's always trying to build it up and work harder. And that's where you're going to see uh, big improvements in your game, especially at a junior level. If you're taking steps that other guys aren't even taking and you're building muscle and building your skill, you're going to be miles ahead of this guy, just like Jack Quinn has done. I'm going to make the the listener wait for Parley's player comparable. I just want to point out, too, that he's an Ottawa Valley kid um, from Cobden, Ontario. Grew up playing for the Ottawa Valley Titans. It's about 115 kilometers from Ottawa. So if you're looking for some some hometown ties, uh, look no further than Jack Quinn um, as well. So Parley, without further ado, can we get a drum roll and a player comparable for you? This one is going to maybe confuse you a little bit, but it's also one that I threw out last week. And uh, I like it again here because this is a guy, maybe he's got a little more size than the player he's being compared to, but he creates his own chances and he's going to take care of the puck in the defensive end. We talked about it off air, how this is a guy that projects to play on the top line power play unit and the top penalty kill unit. A little bit undersized, but he'll go through a wall for you. Pillar just said it. I'll reiterate it. It's Brad Marchand for me. It's a good, good player can put the puck away, he can take care of it at his own end, and he can play in every portion of the game. If you're making a player comparable that high, I mean, how do you not select a kid with a, a pick in the top 10? you got to be happy with him where you get him. Yeah, he has just skyrocketed up the rankings from what assumed to be a middle second rounder to what he is now. We're going to see just how high the other 67 is on that list, but we'll leave it at that for today. We'll be back Wednesday, and before we go... A little news and note, and this hasn't been officially confirmed, but there are some sources out there saying that all the contracts that were slated to end June 30th have now been extended until the end of October as free agency would have loomed next week. So that's going to be pushed back. Assuming the return to play is approved and everything goes according to plan, all contracts are set to expire on Halloween. How spooky is that? Hopefully next time we speak, we're going to be praising Alfie and Brian Murray. For that, Brandon Pillar and Chris Parliament, I'm Ross Levitan. See you on Wednesday.